أحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله وبعد. Okay, we begin inshallah now the next session. The discussion is going to be by Sheikh Suhaib Hassan. I think he doesn't need elaborate introduction. He is one of the few reliable scholars that we can find in the United Kingdom. And as you know, the theme of the conference is really about how we can, as European Muslims, better integrate ourselves in the community without losing our deen. And for this type of uh, thing to happen, it's most essential that people who live in this country have experience of uh, interacting with the community, are present to give advice. And Sheikh Suhaib uh, comes in that capacity that not only is he a qualified person with whom I've had a very long and close relationship, sometimes good, sometimes bad. The badness came from my part, not from him, obviously. And, um, and he has a, a lot of experience in terms of dealing with raising children, educating them, and of course in the affairs of marriage and divorce and so forth. He's a qualified person. He originally comes from Punjab, and uh, he's of a caliber where even Sheikh Ibn Baz used to mention him in, in, his own, in, in his field. The discussion today is going to be on the responsibility of raising and educating children in light of how we sometimes experience various problems, especially in schools and the current national debate, and how we Muslims already have the solutions or answers, but sometimes fail to implement them. And if we do tackle the problems according to Islamic solutions, not only will we benefit, but also bring about benefit to the wider community. So Sheikh Suhaib Hassan, Jazakumullah khairan. إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن خير الكلام كلام الله وخير الحدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محتصة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أعوذ بالله السميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا قوا أنفسكم وأهليكم نارا نارا وقودها الناس والحجارة عليها ملائكة غلاظ شداد لا يعصون الله ما أمرهم وَيَفْعَلُونَ مَا يُؤْمَرُونَ Dear brothers and sisters in Islam, here is an address made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the believers. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O believers. And our salaf used to say that whenever they are addressed, with this noble address of Ya Ayyuhalladina Amunu, they become attentive what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to tell them. Ku anfusakum wa ahlikum nara. Save yourself and your families from a fire. Wakuduhan nasu wal hijara. Its fuel is the mankind and the stones, the statues, the idols which have been worshipped by the people. عليها ملائكة غلاز شداد لا يعصون الله ما أمرهم. And this fire is protected by angels, very stern, very harsh. They don't disobey any commandment which comes to them. ويفعلون ما يؤمرون. They do what they are commanded to do. So there is a hellfire. And Allah SWT is telling us that save your skin from that hellfire. Not only your skin, but the skin of your families as well. Your wife, your children, your whole household. That is the responsibility of every Muslim man or woman. And under this responsibility comes the responsibility of the parents to take care of their children, to bring them up in an Islamic fashion. The inheritance you receive from your parents of Islam, you must convey it to the next generation. If you don't do it, 
you have betrayed your duty. This is how Islam has moved from one generation to other generation. Everyone has to give his part, has to do his part. The one who fails his part, he has to blame himself on the Day of Judgment. Most of uh, this topic has been dealt with in my book, Raising Children in Islam. And uh, I would be very happy to say to you, uh, go and uh, buy this book and whatever you want to hear from me, that is there in the book. But anyhow, the book is not available here, so I have to say a few things. But I would try to say things apart from that book, or elaborate further some points. I was just listening to the commentary on GCSC results, which came very recently out. And there was a commentator who was saying that the girls have achieved better results than the boys this year. Is this uh, only this year or even the last year? I don't know. Huh? Uh, so the girls are excelling the boys in this country including our girls, including Muslim girls. So, alhamdulillah, that is a very, very good sign that at least the girls are doing best if boys are not doing it. But these people, they were worried about it. They say, what, what happened to the boys? So they said, the commentator was saying that there is a responsibility of the parents. And especially the parents of our times who are more educated now than 20 years ago. That is true. I can imagine those people who were just uh, infant or just children 20 years ago, now they have turned into fathers, parents. They have studied in this country. They are educated here in UK. So they know more about the education, about Islam, about their duties. So they should take care of their children. They are saying that, yes, this is the responsibility of the parents. And I also endorse this feeling that because of the ignorance on the parts of the parents, many, many difficulties have risen in this country. Difficulties associated with, with matrimonial life, with so many other aspects of life, all because of the ignorance of the parents. In Pakistan, they are saying that women, they don't know about their rights. Here, even the men, they don't know about their rights, let alone the women. So this is a duty, this is a duty of the parents. First of all, to take care of the children's upbringing and their education as well. Just look at that example. I have read it in uh, this, our Urdu newspaper, a news item from Pakistan. A young student, very bright, always first in his class, but comes from a very poor family, which can't afford his fees. The mother keeps on saying to the child, child, don't read, don't continue your study, come and do some work. And the child is saying, no, I want to study. He doesn't want to leave the school. Mother goes to the school and she says to the headmaster that can you remove the name of my child from the school register? Because I can't afford the fee. And he agreed. He got no other choice at all. So his name was taken out. The poor boy went to the school and they say, no, you are not here, your name is not here, you can't study. He came back, he took some pills. That child who was expected to work for his mother, for his family, that was found dead next morning. So we should think about the children, their education. 
And first of all, let me begin with this point, the responsibility of the father and the mother in the life of the children. Just see Al-Qur'an, Ibrahim alayhi salam, وَوَصَّى بِهَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ بَنِيهِ وَيَاقُوبِ يَا بَنِيَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَى لَكُمُ الدِّينِ فَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ أَمْ كُنْتُمْ شُهَدَاءَ إِذْ حَضَرَ يَعْقُوبُ الْمَوْتِ إِذْ قَالَ لِبَنِيهِ مَا تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ بَعْدِي قَالُوا نَعْبُدُ إِلَٰهَكَ وَإِلَٰهَ آبَائِكَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَاعِيلَ وَإِسْحَاقَ إِلَٰهًا وَاحِدًا وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ Ibrahim al-Islam has given a wasiyah to his children. What wasiyah, what legacy? Just to practice Islam. Yaqub al-Islam on his deathbed, he said to his children, he did not say to them that, uh, what about my estate? I am going to leave for you all these things, what are you going to do with that? No question of this nature at all, just one question. Ya baniya, inna Allah astafa lakum ud-deen, fala tamutunna illa wa antum muslimun. What are you going to worship after me? That was his question. Whom you are going to worship after me? And the children are five children. They said, Nabudu ilahaka wa ilaha abaika, Ibrahima wa Ismaila wa Ishaq, ilaham wahidan wa nahnu lahum muslimun. A pious father and the pious children, they are talking about Islam, not talking about any worldly estate at all. Sayyidina Yaqub when he heard the dream of Yusuf he was advising him. Qala ya bunayya la taqsus ru'yaka ala ikhwatik fayakidu laka kayda inna shaytana lil-insani aduwu mubin O my son, don't say this dream to your brothers. So they plot against you. Because Satan is a very clear enemy to the man, advising him about a certain sentiment found among the human beings. Luqman alayhi salam, Luqman, Luqman saying to his son, uh, Luqman is not proved to be a prophet, a wise man, يَا بُنَيَّ لَا تُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ Advice of a father to his son. Don't do, don't commit any shirk because shirk is the greatest injustice. This is how these great people in the history have advised their children about deen, about Islam, how to live. Let us take few examples from the life of the Prophet This hadith of Numan ibn Bashir, Numan says that my father took me to the Prophet My father Bashir said to the Prophet, I want to gift this my son, a slave. I want to gift him a slave. And Prophet asked him this question, have you given this gift to all your children? He said, no. Prophet said, Do justice among your children. If you have given one and you did not give the other, it is not justice. And then he said, Inni la ala I am not going to be a witness to some injustice. That is injustice. Look at our families. They differentiate between sons and daughters. Sons are given, daughters are deprived. Not only in their real lifetime, but even in their legacy, in their will. They want to deprive the daughters. From where these practices come? From Jahiliya. That is not an Islamic practice at all. Prophet kissed Hassan and Hussein, his grandsons, and a man named Al-Aqra ibn Habis al-Tamimi was sitting there. 
He was surprised to see the Prophet ﷺ kissing Hassan and Hussein. He said, I got ten children. I never kissed them. And Prophet ﷺ was, was amazed. But became angry. He said, Allah Taala has taken mercy from you. Prophet ﷺ in the state of sujood. Hussein comes. And then he rides on his back. And Prophet ﷺ prolonged his sujood. Not to throw Hussein from his back. This, this is how Prophet ﷺ is telling us how to treat the children. So, the first model for the child is his father, is his mother. Can we imagine that a child is going to learn speaking the truth? Then his parents are always keep on lying. Can he learn trustworthiness and his parents are always deceiving? Can he learn dignity in character and their parents always speak in a vulgar language? Can he have, can he have a balanced life or balanced approach to the life when their parents are always in anger? Not prejudiced. Can he learn mercy when he sees his parents always very hard and very cruel. The example is to be set by the parents themselves. So we have uh, the example of the parents, then the company, the company of the person, the friends of the persons, then the teacher. And I must not forget the elder brother, the elder brother of a child. If you want to keep your children straight, just discipline your eldest son, your eldest daughter. He will take care of all, all other children. Spoil him, you will spoil the whole family. And our salaf, they used to take care of that aspect. Abdullah ibn Mughaffal, one of the sahaba of the Prophet wasallam. He saw his son flicking stones and parrots and small uh, and, uh, birds. He said, don't do it. Because Prophet ﷺ has forbidden Naha anil khadf al khadf flicking stone. Just flicking stone. Because flicking stone will not kill a bird, will not hunt a bird, but just uh, it may break uh, its tooth or break its leg, but it is not going to kill it. It's not going to kill the enemy. The boy did not stop. And the father said, Wallahi la ukallimuka abadan. I'm not going to talk, talk to you forever. Why? The child has gone against the practice or the sunnah of the Prophet same is the story of Abdullah ibn Umar. His son Bilal said that I am going to stop my women to go to the mosque. These women, they go to the mosque and they do a lot of fitna. I am going to stop them. And he said, don't stop them. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, These women, they are the slave girls of Allah. Don't stop them from going to the houses of Allah. He said, but I am going to stop them. And Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar, he did not tolerate this, uh, this saying at all. He said, I am quoting to you the hadith of the Prophet And then you say, I am going to go against it. Wallahi la ukallimuka abada. By Allah, I am not going to talk to you. Forever. And this what he did. Till his death, he did not talk to him. I'm giving some more examples about uh, 
the teacher, especially the teacher al-mu'allim, he has to play a very important role. This is what we expect from all, all the teachers, including a father who is also a teacher. I remember one of my teachers uh, when I joined the Islamic University, of course at the age of 20 at that time, I was a bit shy to, to address the people. And one of our teachers, his name is Abdul Wahab Banna, Abdul Wahab al Banna from Egypt. He used to take the students, some young students with him. He used to go to, to the mosque in Medina, and once we went to Mecca as well. He enters the mosque, and after the prayer, he says that there would be a short speech. And then he says, Come, Suhaib, come, huh? and address them. So one of us has to address the people, the congregation, with the, what knowledge we got at that time. And in Arabic, of course in Arabic, that is the main problem. Huh? You have to address them in Arabic. We have just come from Pakistan, though I knew Arabic, but not such an Arabic to address them. He was, I, now I realize that he was training us. He was training us. So that shyness which was in me, would go. And before that, I remember when uh, I was just speaking, uh, learning Arabic uh, on my father, that was in Pakistan, in Faisalabad, a great scholar from India who died last year, Sheikh Abul Hassan Ali and Nadavi, he came. And uh, they had a very small institution in that town. Arabic institution, and I was uh, the first student, but not the last one. Many people came after me. Eh? So I was the first student there learning with my father. So he gave a reception to Maulana Abul Hassan al Nadavi, and he asked me to, to read, to read the speech, welcoming speech. So I wrote it, and, uh, and then I read it. That is the role of Muallim, the teacher. Training his students, encouraging them, telling them the ways how to treat the people. And those people who are, uh, who may be shy to address big congregations, I give them one nasiha, huh? just one nasiha, take from me. Come to the stage and think all these people, oh, they are just stones, they are just stones, huh? Say whatever you like to say. Don't be shy at all. Think they are just stones. Huh? And you would be a good speaker. Because uh, you got the command at that time when you are speaking. Stones got no command at all. If any stone tries to speak, tell him, shut up. Huh? Uh, don't talk. It is said in Arabic uh, statement, الْعِلْمُ فِي الصِّغَرِ كَالنَّخْشِ فِي الْحَجَرِ Knowledge in your young age, in your childhood, is just like carving, engraving on the stone. So the habits you develop in your childhood remain with you forever. Just like the knowledge itself. So this is why it is very important for the parents to check the children what types of knowledge they are receiving and what types of habits they are developing. This is very important. I relate to you an interesting story of uh, one of uh, great, uh, one of the officers in, uh, in Pakistan civil service. His name is Qudratullah Shihab and he got a very huge book by the title of Shihab Nama, in which he has written about his history, his life history. He was from Jammu, Kashmir. He says that I have to go for a vernacular examination, which is class 8, before GCSE. 
I have to travel to another town. He was living in Kashmir, Kashmir, and he has to go to Ropar, another town, 11 miles away. So he was taken by the teacher, and they have to stay with non-Muslim students in a hostel. He did not like their company. Most of them were six. So he came back. He said, I will walk every day 11 miles from my house to Ropar, but I will not stay there. The way was by a canal of water. So he said that early in the morning I started uh, walking and then he was just alone. He saw one person coming towards him and that was a very famous pundit, Hindu Brahman, who used to stand up or get up early in the morning. He was very famous, coming to the canal of water, taking a bath into it, and then he starts his worship saying, uh, saying the name of Rama, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. He keeps on saying that, Hare Rama. And that was, this is how he used to worship. Now he says that uh, the children, the Muslim children used to annoy him. Whenever he says, Hare Rama, they used to say, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. So he used to keep his finger in his ear. He doesn't want to listen to a salah. And he used to run away from that. Now he says that he was coming and he was saying, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. So I started saying, Sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad, Sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad. The man said, in this early hour in the morning, who is saying that? He was looking here and there, right and left. From where this voice is coming? Then he saw me coming. He put his finger in his ear. And I stood there saying it again and again. He was more annoyed. So he says that every day, that was my practice. Whenever he comes near me, I start saying, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Muhammad, Sallallahu alayhi wa Muhammad. And he used to run away from this. He said, anyhow, for 11 days, uh, sorry, for all these days, I have to cover these 11 miles walking and then coming back. And saying this, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, throughout this way to annoy this person. He said, I passed, I passed the exam with uh, flying colors. I was given two years scholarship. He said, I was given two years scholarship, but there was, in Arabic, you see this scholarship, or in Urdu, it is known as wazifa. Huh? Wazifa. You understand that of wazifa? I was given a wazifa of two years, after passing vernacular. But he said, another wazifa became my company forever. And that is to say, sallallahu alayhi wa Muhammad. He says, that has become my habit throughout my life. Wherever I walk, wherever I go, I keep on saying Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Muhammad. And then he says, it helped me a lot throughout my life. That is true. One of our teachers, one of our you know, good teachers from Karachi, he came. He used to say to me that whenever we are in a car and the car breaks down, for example, I used to keep on saying Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Muhammad and we see that uh, Alhamdulillah after some efforts the car uh, starts once again and we keep on going. I remembered it and on that day he was with me when the car broke down <laughs> or stopped. So one of the brothers he started looking at the engine and I said let me experience this as well. Start saying, Sallallahu alayhi wa Muhammad, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Keep on saying, Alhamdulillah, after a few moments, we are on the road once again. Hmm? When we come to speak about the Islamic schools, which is a very uh, good idea in this country, the success of Islamic schools depends upon three things. That is the teacher himself, the, the curriculum, which is known as manhaj, and 
a good academic high level of teaching. These three things are required. You should have a very good uh, curriculum. You should know that what to teach. Islamic school does not mean that you got a name Islamic school. Of course you got a state curriculum, but you are injecting some Islamic uh, subjects into it. But how to teach these subjects? This is the role of the teacher himself. You may be teaching Quran, you may be teaching Hadith, but you should know that how to teach them. A science teacher can teach science according to Islam. You are explaining about a certain phenomena of the nature that in a pond or in a lake or in a river, in a very, very cold weather, when the water comes to a freezing point and the water turns into ice, you notice that ice, because it is lighter than the water itself, it comes to the surface. It comes to the surface and uh, fish, they still survive under it. That is a scientific fact. But a Muslim teacher is going to explain it in this way that look at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted the fish to survive even in that cold water when the water has turned into ice. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let them live in this way that the ice has come on the surface of the water because of its lightness. You inject that Islamic flavor to the science itself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the Quran about this another phenomenon. Maraj al-Bahraini yaltaqiyan bainahuma barzakhun la yabghiyan Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made two waters meet each other. But there is a barrier between two of them. They are not exceeding one upon the other. Anyone who has seen the river water mixing with the sea water can notice this phenomenon. Very recently I was in Scotland on the other end of the Scotland, just on the North Sea. And we notice, uh, just uh, tasting the water, that the water is sweet, we can drink it. Allah, how can we drink this water? This is the sea water, it must be saltish. Few meters away, I tasted the water, it was saltish. And then we discovered that the river, which is known there as Devon, was flowing into the sea at that point. So you can see the sweet water and few meters away, the saltish water. And that is the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to connect Al-Qur'an with your knowledge of science in that way. Let the people understand that uh, this is a phenomenon which is so beautifully described in Al-Qur'an. I also read in, uh, very recently in uh, Geographic uh, National that near Gibraltar, where Mediterranean at and Atlantic Sea meets each other. The writer writes that there are two currents of water flowing. One which is of Mediterranean water and under that is the Atlantic water and the two currents are, are totally separate from each other. Again, that is another example of how these two seas are meeting each other. And uh, then the teacher can explain to the students that, look, those things which are needed for your life, 
the air, oxygen, water, light, food. These things are available to you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala everywhere. You have to buy so many other things. But these things without which you can't live, you can't survive, they are available everywhere. This is the man who stops that oxygen from you, that water from you. Not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah who has made this earth for you to live, He has provided it everywhere. In the last uh, Newsweek issue, there was this sad story of uh, those Afghan captives who were loaded by Northern Alliance into containers. And they were shifted from one prison to another prison. This is the reporter of Newsweek who has brought this story, though we have heard this story in the past as well, but now with more evidence because they have interviewed the drivers of those trucks. A container which is just for, for the goods. There they got 200, 250 captives in one container and then the container was locked. And there is no passage of air, no passage of water at all. Some of the drivers told them that the prisoners, they started banging on the walls of the container. Anyhow, he listened to some of them. And one captive said to him, to the driver, are you not a Muslim? He said, I am a Muslim. He said then, why don't you give us some water, just some water, we are human beings like you. And he can't do that because he is accompanied by other people. Anyhow, he made two, three holes on the wall, on the wall of the container. And then he poured some water from the bottle to them. Because of these three holes, they survived in one of the containers. But the other containers, when they were unloaded, it was just corpses coming out from these containers. Not a single person survived. About 2,000 people, 2,000 captives were, were murdered in this way by the Muslims under the surveillance of a superpower. But I wanted to say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who made this air and oxygen available to you everywhere, this is the human being's own actions which has resulted in to this catastrophic event. Again, in your curriculum when you teach Al-Qur'an, tell them that how the Qur'anic teaching is beneficial to the whole society. Take the case of Holi and Jessica. They are murdered and uh, whole Britain was uh, in grief because of them and that is nature. Two innocent children were murdered in this way, without any justification at all. They have interviewed so many people on the radio, I was listening Radio 4 and other, and people were saying that the killer should be killed. Their life should not be spared at all. So the people feel that the justice should be done. But this justice is not available here. This justice is available only in the divine revelation. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said in the Quran, وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقِصَاسِ حَيَاتٌ يَا أُولِلَ الْبَابِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ وَلَكُمْ فِي الْقِصَاسِ حَيَاتٌ يَا أُولِلَ الْبَابِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ You got a life in the law of retribution. If you want to understand. And this law was a universal law. 
That is the law which was given to Judaism, to Musa alayhi salam. وَكَتَبْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ فِيهَا أَنَّ النَّفْسَ بِالنَّفْسِ وَالْعَيْنَ بِالْعَيْنِ وَالْأَنْفَ بِالْأَنْفِ وَالْأُذُنَ بِالْأُذُنِ وَالسِّنَّ بِالسِّنِّ وَالْجُرُوحَ قِصَاصِ فَمَنْ تَصَدَّقَ بِهِ فَهُوَ كَفَّارَةٌ لَهُ وَمَنْ لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنْزَلَ اللَّهُ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ Soul for soul, tooth for tooth, eye for eye, nose for nose, ear for ear. That is the law which was given. So it means that the Sharia, Sharia is very, very near to the nature of the man, the people in this country, their nature is asking for Qisas. These two, three weeks they keep on speaking about Sharia because of the case of uh, an uh, adulterous woman in Nigeria, slandering Sharia for that. But we can challenge them, we can say to them that if you implement Sharia in this country, it would be more acceptable to the people, more merciful to the people. Just try it. You have tried everything. Try it as well. In the same way when we teach al-Hadith, again, I try to, to educate them with practical example. Al-Muslim Muslim la yuslimuhu wa la yakhzuluhu wa la yazlimuhu. Muslim is the brother of another Muslim. Bas? No. After that, he is not going to leave him. He is not going to abandon him. He is not going to be cruel to him. He is not going to forsake him. That is the character of a Muslim towards another Muslim. This is the real Muslim brotherhood. When you teach uh, the history, tell them about the law of the rise and decline of the people in the past, in present, in future. Marx said that only the economic factor is going to affect the rise and fall of the people. Just economic factor. And that is wrong. The law which is given in Al-Quran, by reading Al-Quran, we come to know about the people of the past who have been destroyed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People of Aad, people of Samud, people of Nuh people of Musa, Fir'aun. All these people who received their doom because of any economic factor? No, no, not at all. Because they have gone against the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why they have faced that doom. That is the law which uh, we understand from, from the history. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَذَكِّرْهُمْ بِأَيَّامِ اللَّهِ In Surah Ibrahim. وَذَكِّرْهُمْ بِأَيَّامِ اللَّهِ Remind them of the days of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The days of Allah what does it mean? The days of Allah Those great events which happened in the history. By which you know the rise and decline of the people. In this way you have to teach all the subjects. Very important is one subject, that is the teaching of Arabic language. The language of Al-Quran the language of al-Hadith, the language of the Muslims, the language of the people of al-Jannah. You can't ignore this language. In our Islamic schools, curriculum should include the subject of Arabic language. Those people who come uh, from subcontinent, from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, for them, one of our uh, educationists have given a very good scheme of learning Arabic language. He has picked all those words which are used in Urdu language, for example, and they are also used in Arabic. So, you know them all. There are many. Kitab, Qalam, 
Rasul, Nabi, all these words they are used in your language. So you don't need to learn them. There are other Arabic words which are not Urdu words, but they are understood by many people because uh, now we are very used to them. Like Al-Akhira, like Nari Jahannam, like Al-Jannah. So he got a list of these words as well. And then come those words which are difficult words, which are not found in the language. You have just to master them. Master these words which are not many. So it means you got a good hold of Arabic language. Then you have to learn about uh, the grammatical combination of the words. Tarkib and nahvi The subject comes first or the object comes first. That is uh, different in Urdu and uh, in Arabic. Same thing could be said about other oriental languages. For example, Swahili language. Swahili language of Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda. You will see so many words in Arabic. Arabic words which have been made popular in Swahili language. Even in, in Kenya and Nairobi, if you ask someone uh, about the time, you will see his watch. It is 12 o'clock, for example. And he would say, Sa'asitta, Sa'asitta, 6 o'clock. Because that was the Arabic time. Arabic time which used to start from sunset. Sunset is 12 o'clock and then onwards. So 12 o'clock noon is 6 o'clock Arabic time. So he would just see the, the watch which, which says 12 here, but he would say in Arabic, uh, in Swahili language, Sitta, Sa Sitta. The word Sa is Arabic, Sitta is Arabic. And there are so many Arabic words which are popular in, in Swahili language. Take the example of Turkish language, Malaysian, Indonesian, Persian, lot of Arabic words. So those people who belong to this part of the world, for them it is not very difficult. What about English language? Again, try to go to the origin of uh, so many English words, and you would find the origin is Arabic. So it will make the matter easy for you. For example, cotton is cotton. Potato is batata. Tomato Mustamata. Huh? Many words from astronomy, they are all Arabic because it came from, from Arab people. Astrolabe, in Arabic, Istarlab. The stable of the horses, stable, is Istabal. Assassin, what is assassin? Hmm? Kill, huh? assassin, to assassinate. It is coming from Hashashin. Hashashin, that group who used to, that is, uh, if you read about uh, the sect, uh, Ismailia sect, there used to be a sect which used to have this hashish. Hashish, they used to have this drug hashish. And uh, after taking hashish, and they are intoxicated by hashish, they were taken into uh, an artificial paradise, and then they were told that if you kill anybody, for any, enemy, you will enter into this paradise. So these people who were known as Hashashin, and who have used, uh, who killed so many, so many Muslims, Hashashin, from this word comes assassin, which is to, to kill. So that was about uh, the role of, uh, of the teacher and also the curriculum of uh, the Islamic schools. Few more things which are related to the character of, uh, of a father. To watch his child, what types of book he is reading, what type of friends he got, what types of group he has joined. Parents should take care of that. They should not leave the children unnoticed. 
Some children, they develop this habit of, uh, which is known as al-adatu-sirriya, secret habits. I am just giving you the translation, secret habit. And those uh, uh, who are mature among you, they know what is that secret habit. Huh? All of you are mature, inshallah. Huh? So these secret habits which, which can develop a lot of deficiency in the life of a child. It can create TB. It can uh, bring weak memory to the child. Backwardness in intelligence. Depression. Fear. The person is confined to his own self. He doesn't want to expose himself to others. All because of the result of this bad habit. See that if he is not, if he is not developing this, this habit, and now, astaghfirullah, in this country I come to know that there are these two uh, terms, gays and lesbians. And there are actually Muslims who are turning gays and lesbians as well. We never had it, uh, though this thing is found everywhere. But here it is very common. So you have to check, you have to check your, uh, your children that they are not developing such habits at all. Habit of smoking. Looking at obscene literature, films. Take care of all the rules related to health in their food, in their drink, even in their sleep. Sleeping on the belly is a bad habit. Prophet ﷺ did not allow it. Sleep on your right side. Train them on habits which are good, like horse riding, like archery. Develop these good habits among them. Take the, these examples of the Prophet ﷺ few in different ways of correcting the child. The main thing is correct him politely. Harshness our beating comes in the end as the last resort. The hadith of Umar ibn Abi Salam, he says that I was eating and my hand was just playing in the plate. So Prophet said to me, Ya Ghulam, Sammillah, wa kul biyaminik, wa kul mimmayalik. O child, say Bismillah and then write with, uh, eat with your right hand and eat what is in front of you. Hadith of Sahal ibn Sa'd that uh, the Prophet was once given a container of water and there were many people sitting in his majlis. On the right was just a lad, Abdullah ibn Abbas. And the older people were sitting at the left side. So Prophet said to Ibn Abbas, do you allow me, do you allow me that I can present this container of water to the elder people? What was the answer of Ibn Abbas? Huh? Anybody can say to me? Huh? Yes? No. Yes, that is the answer. That's right. Huh? That was the answer. He said, no, I'm not going to give preference to others. On my turn, it is turn from you, coming from you. So how, how, how could I give it to others? So Prophet gave him that water and he drank it. Fadl ibn Abbas, uh, yes, Fadl ibn Abbas, the brother of Abdullah, he was riding behind the Prophet on the camel when they were coming from Arafah. And they were uh, going towards Makkah. And that is uh, from Mina because at that time their ihram uh, was undone. So Prophet noticed Fadl looking at a woman. So Prophet said, he turned his head to the other side. Again, a way of correction. Sometimes you have to use... Uh, a word, a harsh word as well, to correct the person. 
Abu Zar said to Bilal one day, Yabna Sauda, O the son of black woman. And Prophet said to Abu Zar, Ya Abu Zar, Ayyartahu bi ummeh. You are attributing him to his mother by way of slandering. You are a man with jahiliya in yourself. And Abu Zarra cried. He lied down and he said to Bilal, Put your feet on my cheek. Sometimes we have to, to leave. Leave the child as the case of Bilal. I have already mentioned it in the beginning. And sometime smack him, which comes at the end. In the famous hadith of the Prophet wasallam, that ask your children to pray, teach your children to pray at the age of seven and smack them at the age of ten if they don't pray. And then separate them in the beds. This come at the last resort because the child who has been uh, trained to pray for three years at the age of seven, eight, nine, alhamdulillah, he would be, you could say, he would be a pigeon, pigeon of the mosque. Huh? He would be in the mosque. He does not need any, any beating at all. I also wanted to mention a uh, few things about the, the plans of those people who are against Islam. For example, communism, crusaders, and also Zionism. And what I wanted to say that in our curriculum, we should, we should warn our students, we should warn our children about all these plans which are devised against Islam. But I think uh, the time does not allow me to do that. Hmm? Uh, for questioning as well? Uh, hmm. uh, yes. All right, uh, just uh, uh, very briefly, as far as communism is concerned, that has been a story of the past now. Alhamdulillah. Uh, but uh, when it was prevailing, even our scholars, they have been fascinated by, by communism and uh, they started saying, oh, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said, and this is a very weak hadith, but it is a fabricated hadith, seek knowledge even if it is in China. Because China is a communist country, so it means that Prophet is telling us, go and uh, seek knowledge there, even if it is communism. That is a weak hadith. And uh, the uh, hadith like this, Al-Nas Shuraka'u fi salasa Al-Ma'u wal-Kala'u wal-Nar. People, they share three things, water, hay, grass, and the fire. It got nothing to do with, uh, with uh, the present communism. Anyhow, the communism is gone. But what about uh, the crusaders? The crusaders. Among the devices which uh, were done against Islam, that was to terminate the caliphate, the Ottoman Empire, in 1924. It is interesting to know that when, uh, at that time, when this country recognized the independence of Turkey, the members of parliament the lords, they criticized the foreign minister. Why did you recognize Turkey? And his answer was, from today, we have, we have finished, or we have destroyed the real power of the caliphate, which was uh, in two things, in Islam and al-Khilafah, in the Caliphate itself. So as long as we have destroyed these two big elements, then why should we fear? And another saying of uh, a famous, this Qur'an is present in the hands of the Muslims, Europe would not be able to control East. 
duty upon us that we should remove the Arabic Quran from the minds of these people and we should terminate the Arabic language from their tongues and this is the only way by which we can have dominance upon them. They did an experience in how to how to turn these people towards French culture and civilization. They took ten young ladies, young girls, many from uh, high society, and they were educated in French institutions. They were made to wear the Western dresses to learn whatever they want them to learn. And after 11 years of training and education, there was a graduation ceremony for them. They wanted to show to the people that we are successful. But they were surprised when these women, these girls, they came to the stage in their Arabic dress, in their Algerian Arabic dress. After looking at that, the press in Algeria became furious. They said to the government that what have we achieved after 128 years of occupation of Algeria? What did we achieve? The minister for this colony at that time, he said, what should I do? What can I do? If Quran is found to be more powerful than us. So the source of power is there. But it is up to you to utilize it. And among the other devices of, uh, of them is to, to finish the unity of the Muslims. And we know that how it has been finished. To spoil the Muslim woman under the name of liberty and freedom. And now you can see in all the Muslim countries these free women, how they are behaving and how they are uh, projecting Islam in a very wrong manner. About Zionism, which, is, uh, which came from Judaism itself, Karl Marx was uh, a Jew. He was asked, because he has introduced communism, he was asked, what is the alternative for God? He said, occupy them with theater. Theater, theater would become an alternative for them. And that is the protocol number 13 of the Zionist protocols that make all the people of the world, all the masses of the world, make them forgetful by engaging them into big festivals, competitions, games. And this is how we can work. And this is why this saying... Uh, I like this saying of one of the English journalists, Muslim journalists of this country. He said that uh, our ideology is, or the Western ideology is work and play. Work and play. Either work or soccer. Isn't that so? Huh? Work and play. But the Muslim ideology is work and pray. In the end, uh, let me mentioned to you uh, an interesting story as well because uh, I had to brother Shabir Ali discussing about uh, the tradition of sati in India. In the beginning of the last century, when I say the last century it means uh, 1901, that one. A small town near Madras was very famous for this tradition of sati. Sati which means that uh, a widow is going to be burnt alive with uh, her deceased husband. I think burnt alive is not a proper word. Barbecued, that is the proper word. So much so that uh, people, even the British government was alarmed how to finish that practice. The Viceroy of India at that time was Lord Clive in 1903. So they asked him how to finish this practice. 
the advice he gave was a source of ridicule by all the cabinet. He said, what, what are you saying? What did he say? He said, what you do in that town where this sati is practiced, open some schools, educate the children, and after that, open a market there. Goods are bought there and they are sold and bought. And then declare that day as a holiday whenever a woman is burnt alive. When, whenever a woman dies, that is a holiday for the market. And you will see the results. They practiced it. After 50 years' time, that practice was gone. Because they say, now they used to start saying that the woman, the woman, the word for woman is used there is Devi. Say, Devi Lakshmi. This Devi is just money. Huh? If, we are, if we are going to make holiday whenever a woman dies, we have to make holiday. We have, we have to close our markets. So this is why they stop that practice. Education, education. Education which removes the ignorance. That was understood by them. But we take one step forward. We say, education on divine lines, education of Quran and Sunnah, not only removes the ignorance from the minds of the people, it will make your life very successful in this world. And it will open a door for you towards Al-Jannah in the hereafter. Stick to that education. Make it a part and parcel of your curriculum. And insha'Allah, you would be successful in this world and in the hereafter. وصلى الله تعالى على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه. إن شاء الله، we can now make our way to the dining hall because the food is ready.